Tales Never Fails podcast. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. Follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. I'm joined today, just like I am every other time, by Parker Hurley. Parker, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Yeah, like we just uh, I did a couple solo podcasts without you. We got you in here to uh, pick up some off-season previews. I'm pretty excited about how the first two turned out, and I think we're going to uh, really rip through all these teams now. Yeah, if you haven't heard yet, um, Parker did the Cardinals and the 49ers picks one and two. We're going by uh, draft order just to do these off-season team needs. Um, if you haven't listened to those, definitely check those out. But today we're moving on to the JETS, New York Jets. Parker, um, 2018 for the Jets didn't go as Todd Bowles planned. I mean, his first year he went 10-6 and six and he had three straight losing seasons, so they ended up firing him. Um, after his fourth year without reaching the playoffs. Um, and they moved on to Adam Gase, who also got fired by the Dolphins. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, Gase and how you think that'll go for Sam Darnold's development? Yeah, we could definitely. I mean, the my big thing with head coaching hires is you kind of got to see it. You know, nobody can really judge it on the surface until you see, you know, what the results are. Um, at least for Adam Gase, you got to see what he did in Miami. And you, if you listen to some of our podcasts where we kind of go week by week and talk about the games, um, one of the big things I always say is, you know, Adam Gase is a good play caller, is a great schemer. Um, he does a good job of putting players in position to win. And, you know, he can come up with that one play at the right time to make a difference in the game. But at the same time, his culture, um, he, he struggled to find any culture in Miami. And he shipped off Jay Ajayi, and he shipped off Jarvis Landry, and he shipped off a bunch of guys. And um, it really just hasn't, you know, he hasn't been able to find, uh, he, every, he, and he talks about it in his press conferences, how he's trying to find culture guys and, you know, his type of guys. And, you know, so-and-so is not buying in and everything. So um, that seems to be what you have with Gase. And what's interesting about that is, you know, Todd Bowles on the other side, you know, he's a defensive guy, Gase is an offensive guy. Um, but Bowles, you know, one of the big reasons where he ended up, you know, I mean, he had results to add into it, but Jamal Adams during the season kind of called out um, Todd Bowles and called out some other players saying, you know, it just seems like a team that's quitting on it, you know, others. It seems like a team that's not trying to win. Um, I think they kind of rebounded after some of Adams' comments, but I really thought Adams' comments were the nail in, you know, Bowles' co- coffin. So, um to you know, get another coach who doesn't buy in. At least you have Jamal Adams. I think it would be really hard for Adam Gase to not get along with Jamal Adams. So um, at least that that works. But um, that's kind of the coach that Adam Gase is, in my opinion. Yeah, you got Jamal Adams um, doing some recruiting as well for them. So you know, he's all about the team. And you even talked about that during the season. Like that's the one guy that he always cares. Like, he's always going to be out there. You know, giving his effort. Yeah, I'm a big Jamal Adams fan, and yeah, we'll obviously talk about that heading into the safety, and yeah, like you said, um, he's trying to get in a running back, and as we get into these team needs, um, there's definitely potential that they can need a running back. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, we can start with the, um, we'll start with the, the salary cap for the Jets. Um, Spot Rack has them at about a projection of like $95 million, almost $100 million. Um, they have... Let me see here. 23 expiring contracts in the unrestricted category. So, like, 23 of the 65 players on the 2018 roster, including their injured reserve. A ton of cap space. Um, They already – they took care of extending uh, Quincy Anunua. He was definitely the number one priority. But um, on the offensive side of the ball, they're pretty set with 
Darnold. I'm not sure if McCown's going to retire, if he'll be back. Uh, do you have any comments on the quarterback position? Yeah, Darnold will obviously be the starter. Um, if the, if Josh, I think if they're at the situation where if Josh McCown wants to come back, he'll be back. Um, if he doesn't, you know, then he won't. But I, you know, because he's quality enough where he can play for them, and he's such a good mentor for Sam Darnold. So he really brings, you know, the total package. I saw him doing a TV hit though, and he looked pretty good doing that too. So um, I think he can get into coaching, you know, based off what he did to Darnold. I think he has a TV future for him as well. So um, it's honestly, I really think it's down to him, you know, if not. Um, you, I think you'd probably go like the veteran path. You maybe sign a cheap veteran, um, like I said, to kind of bring in for Sam Darnold. But um, obviously, not a need there. Yeah, I mean, we'll move on from there. Um, we can knock out wide receivers too, because like I said, they extended Quincy and Nunwa. Um Now their focus definitely shifts to Robbie Anderson, and after that, they really have a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, so um, like you said, they got Quincy. Quincy's a guy who can play in the slot, can play outside, um, typically better off in the slot. So um, Robbie Anderson is an exclusive rights-free agent. Um, they're obviously exclusive rights-free agents are if you want to sign them to a deal, they pretty much have to take it. So they're going to sign him to like a cheap deal, potentially could extend him this offseason. He has some off-the-field questions, but um, if you've listened to us talk on our podcast, I'm a big Robbie Anderson fan because he stretches the field. Um, he you know provides safety attention. And he opens things up for an underneath player like Quincy Inunua. Um But like you said, there's there's a need there for the next guy at wide receiver. Um, you know, Sharon Peak, I believe, is the only other player signed at this point. And, you know, he's kind of just like a fifth-round pick who didn't really make it. And, um, you know, just like last year, they had like six of these fifth-round pick guys, you know, competing, bottom of the, you know, Chad Hansen type of players. And, you know, now all of a sudden it seems like the cupboard's pretty bare. So um, Adam Gase will at least get a chance to – at least you have a Nunwa and you have Robbie Anderson – um, you just need one more outside receiver, probably a guy who could be a possession receiver, but also maybe a little bit quicker than uh, than uh, Quincy Inunua. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can definitely see them addressing that in the draft. Um, you know, not with their first pick at three, but um, later on. I mean, we'll talk about wide receivers. You know, in an upcoming probably after the combine, um, this wide receiver class is pretty deep, so they should be able to get someone. You know, maybe round even three or four, um, a pretty decent guy that they could kind of mold into someone that will work as that wide receiver number three. Um, in terms of running back, um, Crowell last year, Powell's probably going to be going on. Um, your boy Eli McGuire, you know, there's a lot of buzz with them. Um, maybe signing Le'Veon Bell. What do you have for the running back position? Yeah, they're going to, I mean, they could cut Isaiah Crowell and save about $3 million. Um, Crowell doesn't bring much to the table, um, considering there's a new coach in there. They definitely are going to probably consider that option. Um, Powell has some injury questions, um, new coaching stuff. He's a free agent. He might be gone as well. Um, McGuire had injury questions last year. He's kind of a bit of like a smaller version of pa Powell. So he could fill in for the Powell role, but they need an every down back. And Le'Veon Bell actually does, like for almost... More, no team, other team, like the Jets make the most sense for Le'Veon Bell because we were talking about it before the podcast. Um, and we, you just said it, they have like a hundred million dollars in cap space, something like that. So, um, Le'Veon Bell is going to get overpaid just based on the fact that, you know, he's a running back in a market where running backs are completely devalued. You know, we just saw, you know, the Patriots shuffling running backs. And we saw Todd Gurley, you know, getting some big money and, you know, not having an impact on the biggest stage. Um, and then Le'Veon Bell holds out the whole season and the Steelers are a top five offense. So it's not looking great for Bell. 
Um, but somebody's going to pay him, and a team like the Jets can. And a team like the Jets can because if he has like one or two years of guaranteed money and it doesn't work out, you're still getting, you can get out from under him before you have to extend Sam Darnold. And that's when like big time decisions come in. That's where, you know, franchise frailty has to come in. You have to be specific about who you want around. Right now, it's all about we have a ton of money. You know, let's let's try and win with Sam Darnold in these next three or four years before we have to pay him. So that's where um, I think for like a three year run, you could definitely sign Le'Veon Bell, um, even toss him the guaranteed money that a lot of people are going to be afraid to pay him. Um, so he makes a lot of sense for the Jets. Just considering, like I said, you could save three mil from Crowell. Um, all you're going to have back is Eli McGuire and Trenton Cannon. Cannon's a you know special teamer, so um, I think they could they're going to be in position to bring in a big name running back, you know, or they could just draft you know one or two running backs because. Um, um, running back is a huge need for the for the Jets at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll definitely be interested to see what they do if they draft someone. I mean, they might sign Bell and um, also draft someone, have someone a little bit younger come in because there's really, like you said, not a whole lot of depth there. Um, moving on to probably the worst uh, position group on the team, the offensive line. Um, I have a note here that. The, according to Football Outsiders, the unit ranked last, in, dead last in uh, run blocking. Um, what have you seen from them outside of? I know they parted ways with Spencer Long yesterday, I believe. Um, that's actually saving them probably, I think, about three million. Uh, so they have money they can spend there too. So definitely going to put some money into the offense here. Yeah, and we'll talk about the tight ends too. They really just have uh, Jordan Leckett and Chris Herndon. Um, Chris Herndon is an athlete from Miami, um, came out long as the season went on. It looks like him and Darnold have something in the passing game brewing. So um, you're looking for a big-time second year from um, Herndon. I'm really not a fan of Jordan Leggett. I think he's a third tight end at best, which means, in my opinion, they need another tight end. I think it's just a blocking tight end because Herndon's a great athlete and can catch the football. Um, if you add another tight end who can catch the football, that's fine. Um, but Leggett can catch the football. That's not really a concern with him. Um, he's big, long, um, kind of just like a specialty goal line player in that regard as a tight end. But I think you could get another blocker next to Herndon, and that would um, help out the offensive line, who, like you said, um, is a big-time struggle. You move into the offensive line, you know, uh, I think they're definitely going to bring back two players um, in Kelvin Beecham and Brian Winters, and those are kind of their two best offensive linemen, but, um, you know, you know, um, and I know from being, you know, we're from, both from Pittsburgh here, is that um, if Kelvin Beecham's your best offensive lineman, you know, you might have some issues. Um, Kelvin Beecham's a good offense, left tackle. Like, he's like a, I don't know, top 20, you know, down near 20, though. But Not he, a building block, though. Yeah, he's not a building block to put around your offensive line. Um, it's a situation where if you had, you know, four good guys and then Calvin Beecham, you're you're okay with where you're standing. But, you know, if yeah, like you said, if Calvin Beecham's your building block, um, you have some big-time issues. So, um, Brian Winters is fine. You know, um, he doesn't really, you know, blow away anything statistically or, you know, in any fashion. Um, he's just kind of a stable guard. And the fact that, you know, you're missing so many pieces on the offensive line, you could at least bring Winters back to have some stability in the terms of Winters and Beecham. But like you said, they cut Spencer Long. They could potentially bring him back as a guard or a center. Um, but the fact is, you know, he they cut him for a reason and they saved about $6 million in doing it. And um, I think it's probably a decent idea for them to do that. Um, Brandon Shell, I believe he's still on the roster as well at tackle, but um, 
They could save a million dollars cutting him. I know that I'm just t- talking about how they have absolutely nothing on the roster, but I mean, at best, he's he's just a you know backup right tackle. So I mean, I'm really looking at this offensive line and saying you have a starting left tackle, you have a guard in Brian Winters, and then I think just every other position is you know potential to be upgraded. Um, this is where you're kind of looking and saying, yeah, you guys have you know. Uh, all this millions of dollars, you could potentially do something in terms of adding an offensive lineman. But yeah, this is a position where, um, you know, draft and free agency, you're really going to have to hit this hard because, um, you know, Sam Darnold is now your future and you got to protect him with everything you have and to have absolutely nothing heading into the offseason. This is where, um, you know, you put wide receiver aside and you put, um, like you said, you know, running back in the draft and through free agency, you put one of those decisions aside because um, this is so important that they have to get this offensive line right. Yeah, I mean, going back to Darnold, you and I are huge Darnold fans. Um, you know, the numbers for your average fan might not pop off, but, you know, watching him, we were both really high on him. And, um, yeah, like you said, with the offensive line, they need to invest to protect him. And also, like we were just talking about, you know, back up that brings truck for Le'Veon. You know, you maybe draft one or two linemen, sign two in free agency. You let the – offense set the pace in the games you know they can kind of carry this team a little bit if they play this right yeah and before we get into the defense I'll touch on because Le'Veon Bell actually is undervalued in two areas that I kind of hit on for the Steelers um one is pass protection. He's the best pass protecting running back in the NFL. There's honestly, I, I would just challenge anybody to find a better pass protecting running back in the NFL than Le'Veon Bell. That's obviously huge for Darnold. That's huge for the offensive line. Um, and the second one is, you know, his short passing game ability. Um, he's, he's such a good receiver and he has all these catches. What's crazy is he doesn't really run down the field. You know, they're all just checkdowns from Roethlisberger. The Steelers weren't even trying that hard to get him involved in the passing game. He just became involved in the passing game. So that's where a guy like Sam Darnold, an improvisational player, um, would do really good with just a quick little outlet to Le'Veon Bell, and that would help with the offensive line in terms of one, Bell can block, and two, Bell can be that outlet when pressure comes for him. So, yes, Bell is, like I said, he's going to get a little bit overpaid, but coming from a Pittsburgher, I'm saying that I think it makes sense and it really would help their offensive line um, because Bell has some value to him. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense for them. And like with, with Bell, you dump it off to him, and he can make people miss in a hurry. Um, I think that would be so good for Darnold's development and that they build up that offensive line a little bit helps Bell and it helps Darnold. Yeah, and something I talked about, um, you know, just kind of wishful thinking at this point, was thinking, you know, if Bell and Connor could be in the backfield at the same time and then you motion Bell out into the slot, all of a sudden, you know, um, you got a Nunois Bell and, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson and that need for another receiver, it becomes, you know, now it's just a fourth-round pick. You know, a receiver is all your, your, you know, you're probably adding a fourth-round pick and a free agent, you know, and they're not really, you know, huge names or anything because you have Bell. You know, that's the type of situation that you could have with Le'Veon, so... um. He does bring value to the New York Jets. Like I said, more than any other team, um, if anyone's going to pay him what he actually wants, it should be the Jets. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, guard center tackle, they definitely need to hit those. Um, Anything else you have to add for the offense before we move on to the defense? No, let's get into defense. Uh, All right. Yeah, the Jets defense, um, we talked about Adams already, um, but we'll start up front with the defensive line. Um, they drafted Leonard Williams at six overall, I believe, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been all right. Um, not Definitely not six overall good. But um, do you think that they're going to move on from him? Or do you think they're going to hang on to him? Because I know they could save a bunch of money if they let him go. 
Yeah, I think they could save like $14 million by cutting him. They said that they were planning on bringing him back and not only that, but extending him. It's interesting because, like you said, um, there were some flashes of Williams' dominance. Um, and then you kind of like the reason um, or some of the reason, I think, for Williams' issues are, you know, he gets drafted as, you know, the best player available type of strategy. But then he's thrown in with, you know, Sheldon Richardson and uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, who, one, apparently aren't even, you know, the best role models. But also, you know, he's competing for playing time with these guys. They're not necessarily a fit with each other and then all of a sudden schemes start changing you know I'm pretty sure you know it quickly goes from Rex Ryan to you know another uh, to Todd Bowles and now you know they're switching schemes again they're going to go from a 3-4 to a 4-3 so it kind of seems like you know he's gonna Williams could go from like a 3-4 type of end to a 4-3 DN I know I said it on the other podcast that everyone runs nickel so much that it doesn't really matter so um Williams could be one of your you know two interior linemen I'm sure Greg Williams would like what um, Williams is going to do in that new scheme. So that's where it makes sense. It's just, yeah, you're betting on a guy who, you know, um, situationally has, you know, not necessarily been, um, you know, in a a scheme that necessarily fits him. So we'll see how that works. The other reason you could potentially let him go is, you know, they drafted drafted somewhat for this with... uh, Nathaniel Shepard and Fuli Fadakusi, I believe their names are. You know, uh, I think Shepard started to get going as the season went on. Um, I was a fan of actually both of them in the coming out of the draft, just thinking, you know, that was a good idea of them to take a couple shots. Um, they add some depth behind Leonard Williams for the moment, and you know, could be some players that you know, if they lose out on a guy like Leonard Williams in the future, at least you have some of those guys. They have Mike Pennell back as well. Good rotational player could play next to Leonard Williams. So, you know, there's four guys right there or, you know, three guys that could slot in next to Leonard Williams, who's kind of your piece, um, you know, all in the interior defensive line. Like I said, it's pretty much just a four man front and those four are going to be slotting into those two spots. Um, but then there's Henry Anderson. And, you know, I think you're kind of looking at a lot of the statistics and saying um, Henry Anderson was about as good or, you know, wasn't a huge drop off from Leonard Williams. When you consider what Henry Anderson's going to get on the market, you know, you're saying maybe we should bring back Henry Anderson. Um, the other, that's where the scheme changed. I think Anderson is, um, and like I said, it's not a huge deal, but I think he's one of those players that might just be better in the 3 4. And, you know, you could say, man, if you could get Henry Anderson for, you know, X amount cheaper than Leonard Williams, you'd probably do it. But, um, I think the Jets are saying um, they might just let Anderson walk. And then, yeah, their four D linemen would be um, Leonard, Shepard, Fadakusi, and Pennell. And then you're looking pretty good there. Um, the issue with the defensive line where they're going to have to um, invest a lot in is on the edge. Um, and like I said, you're moving from a 3-4 team to a 4-3 team. So that's a, that's tough as it is. Um, and they don't have anybody there. Jordan Jenkins, I actually like Jordan Jenkins for what he does. You know, like dot, 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 for what he does. He's a good run defender. Um, he's a good high energy player. Um, I like what he brings to the table. Like if he was your third, you know, the third guy in the rotation, he would be the man. But like that, you're listing him as pretty much like the guy or, you know, one of the only guys that they're going to bring back. Um, Terrell Basham, another name that they really just have. You know, there's there's not much there in terms of, um, you know, who could play on the edge for the Jets moving forward. Um, they really have to, you know, just like the offensive line, just fill it not only with star talent or, you know, try and get some names. They got to get some depth in there um, and start rotating these guys because up the gut, they could, they like I said, they could have four or five guys that could do something in this new Greg Williams scheme. Um, they need edge rusher like nobody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was looking at Henry Anderson in his contract year last year, recorded, recorded a uh, career high seven sacks. But like you said, I think he does fit a little bit better in a 3 4, even going back to whenever he was with the Colts. Yep. Um, he's only 27, but yeah, I think that. That money could be spent. They have a ton of it, but still could be spent better elsewhere. Um, moving on to linebackers, um, 
they still have what, Avery Williamson, Darren Lee, and you touched on Jenkins a little bit, but moving to that 4-3, what do you think they need to do at linebacker? Yeah, I mean, they're going to roll with those two. Um, I think Darren Lee could actually be better in the 4-3. Um, I think he would be like a weak side player, like a will player, kind of just plays in coverage more often. Um, and then Williamson, you know, he's been a 3-4 player, so it's going to be a tough adjustment for him. But he's also um, kind of what you would look for in a Mike, you know, a real um, downhill type of player. Um, yeah, I don't think Jordan Jenkins, I know he's kind of listed as a potential, um, you know, like a strong side linebacker. I think he would have to play defensive end probably in that scheme, you know, I mean, he could move, you know, like he could be that Leo type of player, but, um, yeah, that's where it's just going to be tough. You know, it's going to be a tough adjustment for Jenkins too, but, um, that's where they probably need a strong side, you know, a a Sam type of player. I think they have Charles Tappers on the roster, but I mean, it's like, they, they also need, you know, if they're going to, um, run a lot of base and it's, you know, Greg Williams ran a lot of base last year. So, um, he's kind of an old school guy. Um, I know they have Kevin Pierre Louise, but I think Pierre Louise is more of a will player. So, um, yeah, I think they need a strong side linebacker. Um, it's not like the hugest of needs, um, but that is like, they could get an edge player like Josh Allen, if he fell, um, he could play the strong side linebacker spot for them and, you know, put his hand down in pass rushing situations, play out in space when he needs to. So um, that's a fit. But I mean, there's, they could also, you know, they could try and find, that's the type of player that they would um, need for that specific role though. Yeah. This, this draft class actually sets up really well for them, especially with that, that first pick at three, like you said, uh, Josh Allen, you know, maybe Bosa might even fall depending on what the Cardinals do. Um, so, yeah, they definitely need to get some pass rush. I mean, even if they went with someone like Quentin Williams to play next to uh, Leonard Williams, um, if they end up keeping him, I think that this draft class definitely sets up nice for them, especially at the top. Yeah, and hopefully they could put some money into their, uh, you know, offensive line if they draft, you know, if unless they start drafting offensive linemen high. But, um yeah, it'll be interesting, and the nice thing for them is their secondary is kind of at least rounded out in the safeties. We can get through the safeties real quick. That Jamal Adams um, is going to be back. Like I said, he's the leader of the team, and then Marcus May is um, you know he got hurt last year, but I really I still really like Marcus May. He's entering year three. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how um, because he's probably going to have to play deep a lot for the Jets in this new Greg Williams scheme. So I know him and Jamal were kind of good as combination safeties, and May typically played the free as it was. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But those two are definitely going to be back. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Doug Middleton. Doug Middleton's an exclusive rights free agent, so he's going to be back too. Um, and, and he's he. I actually like him too. He actually did served well when Marcus May was hurt. So I think they have enough depth at their safeties. Um, and yeah, they do have some questions at cornerback. Yeah, I mean you got Jermaine coming back. Uh, Mel Claiborne is a free agent. But I, like, I think he's a solid number two. Um, put him across and that's a pretty nice setup i mean if they can get him to come back i don't know if he's a ufa i think i believe he's a ufa but other than that yeah in the slot you can talk about those corners as well yeah it all depends on what claiborne's value is i think they would wouldn't mind claiborne coming back but i think they also know that claiborne might get some money and i don't know if they necessarily love claiborne enough to where they're going to give him what you know the type of money he wants so um Tremaine will definitely be back, um, and then Buster Screen's going to be gone. And if you listen to us on the podcast, um, we, we we liked attacking Buster Screen, you know, in fantasy and gambling. If there was a good slot uh, receiver, you know, we like going after Buster Screen. And even when Buster Screen went out, Perry Nickerson struggled. But Perry Nickerson's a rookie. I actually kind of like Perry Nickerson coming out. So um, I think 
you know, Screen's probably going to be gone, and trust on Perry Nickerson, get some depth in behind him, and, you know, see how that works out. But um, I also think they need an outside cornerback. Daryl Roberts, I think Daryl Roberts is a free agent this year. Um, but I think the idea would be um, similar, like I said, with Henry Anderson and uh, Leonard Williams, but I think this will actually work out for them that um, you sign Daryl Roberts for a lot cheaper than you would sign Morris Claiborne, and I don't think the difference is necessarily big, and it's, I think it's a way bigger scheme fit. So um, that's honestly what I think they would do, um, Trumaine, Daryl, and then Perry Nickerson, and then obviously kind of, you know, that's not set in stone and that's not done. They need to add depth and even some talent behind it, especially in the slot. I don't think you just say, oh, uh, you know, we like Perry Nickerson, you know, no, there's not enough on Perry Nickerson yet, but um, I think that's probably what they do, and, you know, you save some of that Mo Claiborne money and put it into the offensive line is kind of how I would see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Roberts, I know, he had a pretty a sneaky solid year just from watching some of their film. Um, he's going to attract the other teams just because he's still relatively young and because he's under 30 and his versatility. I know he played, like, he played over 60%, I want to say, of their defensive snaps. I saw something on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, he's a natural cornerback, but he filled in at safety, I believe, for a little bit whenever Marcus May got hurt. Um, they should definitely look into bringing him back. But, yeah, if they can um, take care of – I know Claiborne probably drives their fans nuts with the penalties, but he's a nice number two. Um, and they're pretty set at – Safety, like you said, I mean, whenever we started talking about this defensive back group, it's definitely, we even talked during the season how that's, you know, the strength of this team. Um, Yeah, if they can figure things out with Greg Williams, um, just focusing on the defense and, you know, at at three getting an edge rusher and adding, you know, offensive line and maybe someone like Elbel at uh, running back, this team, you know, could set up pretty nicely for us. A successful um, 2019. Yeah, and just to wrap it up, I think their big needs are O-line and edge rusher. You know, we addressed it, obviously. Um, and then it's kind of running back and receiver. So, you know, it's just building an offense around Sam Darnold. And then it's finding a pass rush because you have enough pieces in place on defense. So, um, yeah, that's what the Jets should be looking at moving forward. Yep. Um, anything else to add here, Parks? If not, um, we're going to move on. Our next episode, we'll be talking about the Oakland Raiders at number four. Like I said, um, make sure you follow us at TNF underscore podcast. Parker Hurley is at Parker Hurley on Twitter. Give him a follow as well. Make sure, you know, if you have any questions, anybody about team needs, draft, uh, what teams should do in the offseason, definitely reach out to one of us and we'll get back to you. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully tune into the first two and then tune into the Raiders as we go through every team. All right, guys, we'll catch you next time.